Hello, welcome back to the Ben Sacri Podcast, which is a working title, by the way. And today's topic is going to be about solar panels and solar energy in residential neighborhood settings. Um, so first off, starting with a quote here I thought was interesting to read out. By the year 2024, roughly 2.5% of all American households are going to be completely running on solar energy. Um, is that a lot? Is that a little? Are we being progressive as a country towards that number? Are we behind other countries? Uh, is that progressive for us compared to what we were five years ago? Um, that's something we're going to get into. Uh, also, what is solar energy? How does that compare to other forms of energy such as wind, water, um, how sustainable it is, how clean it is? Is it cost effective? It takes roughly 14 to 36 solar panels on a house to power it. Uh, how much cost is that? Is that going to save you money in the long run compared to other traditional methods of powering your home? And how do what percentage of homes get solar energy from solar panel farms? Uh, is that cost effective? What are other methods of using solar energy? Can you use part of that towards your house? Uh, those are some of the topics we are going to talk about. Um, so yes, as I mentioned, 2.5% of all American households by the year 2024 are going to be reliant completely on solar energy. And seeing as there is a rough estimate of about 128.5 million American homes, this would equal out to about 3.2 million households. Uh, at the moment, there is enough solar power generated from commercial farms to power 2 million homes. These are all commercial numbers. These are not numbers relating to uh, direct solar panels that people can buy and set up on their homes. These are coming from commercial numbers. So as you can see, that's an increase of about 1.2 million. That's going to happen in about four years. Again, what does that number mean? Is that big? Is that little compared to how many households there are? It seems like little, but maybe it's progressive. That's a million is a lot when you do think about it, especially home-wise. Uh, but again, that's a commercial number. We're going to get into more private, uh, people putting solar panels up directly. Um, how does solar energy differ in different socioeconomical areas? Can more people afford them than others? Are solar panels in the cities? What states are further ahead? Are some states lagging behind completely? And if so, why? Does it have anything to do with government decisions, laws, um, big businesses getting in the way of the switch to solar energy, and how this is going to play out in the next 10 years or so, and what we can do to try to help the environment become more sustainable upon solar energy. So yeah, those are the topics we're going to start off with today. And the first one's going to be about what exactly is solar energy and solar power. All right, so the first topic we're going to talk about today is what exactly are solar panels, um, a little brief history, and uh, how they work. So solar power um, actually predates back to the early um, 1800s, around 1830s-ish, uh, a professor named Edmund, uh, I'm so sorry to this guy, he's going to roll in his grave, I'm going to butcher his last name, Beck Querel, I think, he seems French, yeah he is French, French experimental, um, so, so sorry to him, at the age of uh, 19, discovered that when um, he exposed to certain materials to sunlight, he could generate a weak electrical current. And this is what is behind um, solar energy. It is something called the photovoltaic effect. Um, this is the basic process in which solar cells convert sunlight into electricity. 
So um, composed of tiny particles of electromagnetic energy, uh, photons are the stuff that light is made of. When photons are absorbed by a photovoltaic cell, um, which contains conducting material um, that needs, uh, it can be silicon or plutonium um, or platinum, sorry, uh, the energy from the photon is transferred to an electron um, of the solar cell. Um, the energized electron is then able to escape its bond with the atom and generates its own electrical current. Um, so this is the basic process of which creates energy from uh, the sun's rays. Um, there's kind of a bit more to it, um, specifics with protons and neutrons and semiconductors and that um, they generate an electric field and things with holes moving in opposite directions from the electrons. But basically all you need to know about solar power is that the energized electron escapes its bond with the atom and it generates its own electric current. Uh, this is what happens when sunlight reaches a solar panel. Um, so that is the simple explanation of the vol of the uh, photovoltaic effect. Uh, again, there's a bit more to it, uh, but that is the layman's explanation of what it is. So again, uh, Edmund has discovered this at the age of 19 in 1839, um, and now I don't want to say not much was done with it, but you know there wasn't really solar power back in these days. Everything was run on steam, and then eventually coal. Um, and then eventually later on down the line, we have gas-powered equipment. Um, so solar panel and solar energy really didn't become super popular until the 70s, which is when we have the energy crisis um, that America faced. Uh, so during the energy crisis, um, obviously they're looking for new types of solutions to produce power. And solar energy was one of the discussed topics that could be used in the future to generate power um, during this crisis and in the future if any other such one arrived, uh, came up. Um, I do want to mention before the 70s, though, I know this isn't part of my topic um, on the podcast today, but solar energy was mainly used in space to power um, satellites that were shot out into orbit, obviously because that's the only energy source near there is the sun, and it was quick and easy. Um, I know that's not in relation to solar panels in residential settings, but um, that is the first major usage of solar power um, that was seen on a national scale um, globally was uh, all the satellites that were being shot off into space in the 50s and 60s, and then eventually leading to things such as the International Space Station. Almost everything that's shot out into space is run on solar energy. Um, but enough about that. It's not, again, part of my topic. Um, so again, we get into the 70s with the oil shortage. Um, Jimmy Carter had solar panels installed on the White House roof. Um, this was a statement that he wanted to make um, to encourage clean energy through solar power, uh, solar power for those who could afford it. At the time, again, it wasn't too popular. It was kind of a little, you know, stiff price to have installed. Um, and they were kind of a little, I don't want to say taboo, but it was... A little strange. Um, again, we don't know as much as the people didn't know as much as we do now about solar energy, and it was just kind of seen as something strange. And everyone, after the energy crisis is over, moving into the '80s and nuclear power kind of became on a rise to be the new form of energy. Um, solar panels kind of took a back seat to that nuclear power. Um, but in the '70s, something that was significant and helped change people's minds about uh, solar power was the University of Delaware's uh, Solar One, 
Uh, this is actually a pretty big deal. It was back in 1973. The University of Delaware created a building that was completely sustainable on solar energy uh, with panels that they had put on the roof, and the building was called Solar One. Um, so this was something that kind of proved to everybody that um, a building could be completely run upon solar energy, and if a building could run on uh, solar power and solar panels, then a basic household could. Um, so, yeah, that is kind of just a very, very brief history and an explanation of the photovoltaic effect. Um, obviously, I stopped at the 80s, nuclear energy, again, became kind of the driving factor of new energy that people introduced to during the energy crisis on oil shortage. And then nuclear energy, or uh, solar power, kind of became more popular in the early 2000s and 90s, and it became more popular to have them installed on buildings as after people began to understand what really is more clean energy. Okay, so that is the first topic I just wanted to cover, um, and we'll move on to kind of more of a history of solar power in general in residential settings, and kind of we'll talk about some housing developments across the nation that are completely run on solar power and what the residents think and their opinions and what other people think of them. And that'll be in part two. Thank you. Welcome back. So last time we discussed kind of the history of solar energy and solar panels and kind of how that led into modern day usage. And we're going to focus more on uh, residential setting in the modern 21st century. So um, solar energy obviously is a positive thing. Um, you know, it does not produce air pollution or greenhouse gases. It has a positive um, direct and indirect effect on the environment when solar energy replaces or reduces the use of other energy sources that have a larger effect on the environment. Um, so it is a positive thing to go towards solar energy. However, um, as much as people want to save the environment and help the earth, um, the first question in anyone's mind when they have to make a drastic change, especially with what energy they use for their home or their apartment, is how much does it cost? And this is more of a tricky question to answer. Um, there is no one answer. Um, it really does depend on where you live, what the statewide mandate is, if they have one, such as California, um, if there are blocks ahead of you in getting the solar energy, like there are in Florida, it could cost you more. Um, but for instance, I looked at my neighborhood in Pennsylvania. Um, I live in central PA in Harrisburg and it's a bit of a tricky figure. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the different solar panels are. They have Interstellar 1, 2, and 3. Uh, 3 is the more expensive. Um, they last longer, and they also save you more energy, so therefore I'm going to assume 3 has um, more of an economic and environmental impact than 1 or 2, and that's probably going to be the better solar panel uh, to put on my house. So this is just an online quote. Obviously, they haven't driven out to my house they haven't looked at it, so they don't know, you know, what the exact installation cost would be. But in the rough neighborhood, it would be maybe in between eleven to fourteen thousand dollars installation and setup for solar panels on the house. Uh, that's an extremely hefty fee. Um, that's a lot of money to bring out, especially 
in a house that, I mean, we've lived in since I was eight. To make that change now, uh, you're only going to see economic, major economic savings. In the long run here, about 20 years, it'll save uh, my family $81,000 of our electric bill. Um, that is a lot of money. However, for my family, that may not be the best option to go with only because we put the solar panels on my parents, you know, getting a little older, but you know, we don't, my sister and I don't live in the house anymore. They're probably not going to stay in that house forever. And it might be harder to sell a house with solar panels. Um, that might be something else I talk about next segment is maybe if people have trouble reselling their house. Um, or putting it on the market if it has solar energy, what cost that has for the people moving in, and how that works. Um, but yeah, so most people are always going to ask, what's the cost? And that is, again, that's if you're putting all solar panels on the house to cover your entire electrical needs and cut out complete other uses of energy. It's going to be about eleven dollars to $14,000 for my kind of house. It's a regular nuclear family, two kids, a dog, two parents. Um but yeah, like I said, $81,000 in savings. So if you're a new family, and let's say you're in California where they have a mandate that all new houses have to use solar power um, or be built with solar panels, um, that seems like a great thing. If you're just building a house or just moving, um, you're going to save a lot of money in the long run if that's your first house. Um, and you're going to be there for 20 to 30 years, let's say, to raise a family. Uh, that's not a terrible thing. That sounds fantastic. However, a state like California, where that is a mandate that all new homes must have solar panels or be powered by solar energy, uh, people are finding that it's not necessarily the best option for them personally. Um, people say that there are cheaper emission reductions and are easier to find in that state. Um, the mandate may not even uh, reduce emissions at all. And, uh, and this is just looking at California here. The mandate was rushed into effect without comment from outside energy experts or economists. So um, private home buyers in California found that it would cost them anywhere from eight to $12,000 more upfront, but they would save twice that much over the lifetime of the house through lower energy bills, roughly 40 to $80 a month in savings. Um, however, there was no comprehensive analysis of the total social costs and benefits of the policy. There's no way to know if the policy is a net benefit to all Californians is what they're saying the problem is and that the mandate was rushed and there wasn't a whole lot of time for comments to be left on it. Um, so that, again, that's its own problem there in California. And I'm sure as people know, there is a housing crisis in California. Um, I could do a whole different podcast on that. Um, but some people would say it's ill-advised to raise the upfront cost of housing in a state in a housing crisis which seems kind of self-explanatory. Um, but California's mandate might make it more expensive for the state to hit its renewable energy and carbon targets without yielding any new solar builder emissions reductions. So that's going to be the issue that they have there. Um, so again, that's a state like California where people aren't necessarily against using solar energy. You know, they're all for it. They're all for the environment. However, they're just not sure if that's the right option for them and if there really needs to be a mandate saying that all new houses have to have solar panels on them. Um, so yeah, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that, about why people don't switch to solar panels. Obviously, we know they're good for the environment. There's an economic benefit in the long run if you're going to invest in that house for a long time with your family. Some people just don't like the way solar panels look on their house, uh, to put it quite frankly. 
you know, I had a house by mine. Um, we'd pass on the bus route coming home from middle school every day, and they had solar panels all over their house. I didn't think it looked ugly. I didn't think it looked weird. It just, you know, stood out like a sore, sore thumb from the rest of the neighborhood. And that is a problem that some people are having. They don't like the way it looks on their house. Um, a lot of people work hard to buy a house for the rest of their life, for a family, and then you finally get it and you want to, you know, you want it to stand out. You have a nice garden, you have it painted nice, you have nice shutters, um, it's maybe some trees, some, you know, shrubbery, I don't know. And now you have these big bulky solar panels on the roof that derive everyone's attention to looking up there. And if you're the only family, maybe on the block with solar panels, you're going to stick out. And maybe that is not for a good reason. And some people don't like the way it looks on their home. Um, there are other options rather than just putting solar panels on your house to get solar energy powering it. You can invest in a solar farm. Um, that's another topic I'm going to talk about next segment, but that's another option that some people are taking is they want to invest um, in part of a solar farm and use that to power some of their house or, and if or not all of it, which will lower their um, cost on the home. That's another option people are looking at. I know schools like Elon does that. We own some part of the Loy farm. Uh, we use that to power the campus. That's solar paneled, of course. Um, Duke Energy, some of that is solar paneled on their contract. And um, some of the homes, I know my apartment has a very small fraction, but it is a fraction that is powered by solar energy. Um, so that's going to be another option people have that they look at rather than just using solar panels directly on their house. They'll get it from a solar farm, um, which also has economic savings and you don't have to spend as much in getting it, the installation on your house. And it's not the eyesore that some people think that it is personally, I don't really care, you know, it's it's a house. Again, I don't own a house myself, so I probably don't understand as much as homeowners do um, pride in your house's appearance quite yet. Um, so, but just, you know, going on, um, looking at, again, going back to just solar panels physically on the house, uh, this is something I did want to mention, I kind of forgot to. You can get um, federal and state incentives, depending on, again, the state you're in, um, are available if you go solar. So you can deduct maybe up to 30% of the cost you purchased your home solar system um, from federal income taxes. So uh, for some people, that's an incentive. Again, it depends on the state you live in. Uh, that can either be federal or that can either be state incentives, maybe both, maybe one or the other. Um, it, again, entirely depends upon where you live. Um, and you can get cash rebates that can also help reduce your cost by about 10 to 20%. And so if you want to find out more about this, you know, there are a couple um, information websites out there about your incentives that are in your area um, that will help you kind of figure out what more savings you'll get beyond just energy bills in 10 to 20 years, what savings you'll get from the state and the federal um, incentives that uh, can help you pay for your energy bill or just to kind of decrease the bill. Um, and people do say that your home value does increase with the purchase of a home solar system. Um, it might make your value go up by $20,000 or more if you plan to sell. Again, um, this is another topic I kind of want to get into. If you're selling your house, how does that affect it if some people don't like it? Um, however, if, if in this day and age, it may increase the value of your home. Again, this depends on the neighborhood you live in, what state what the houses around you look like, the size of your house. 
So it's not set in stone. Oh, if I have a solar system, uh, it's going to increase the value of my house. Uh, that may not be. Um, it's a wise investment, but you don't just want to gamble on, oh, well, this is how it worked for so-and-so out in Arizona or California that has a solar system. It'll work here for me in Harrisburg or Philadelphia. Um, you know, it, that may not work for everybody, and it probably does not. Um, so, yeah, I think that is about everything I kind of wanted to cover in this segment, um, just kind of into some of the economic savings um, and why people are for or against them. And next week, I'm going to get more into, well, not next week, next segment, I'm going to go more into uh, why some people support solar energy and why some people don't personally and their interviews that they've done. Um, I may tweak this segment in the future just to kind of add those sounds in there. But next week or next segment, I'm definitely going to have some sound clips where uh, people discuss what they do and do not like and kind of the challenges some people face in their state getting solar power, such as uh, Florida. All right, welcome back to part three of my podcast. And last time we touched off on some of the um, economic benefits and sometimes economic uh, downsides using solar panels. Again, um, just a reminder, as people know, they do cost a lot of money, quite a bit. Uh, However, it's pretty good in the long run, especially if you're a new homeowner um, in this day and age, getting a new house and you plan on settling down somewhere. Uh, However, if let's say you've already you're already an adult, you're in your 50s, your kids are off at college, it's really not worth the investment for you, Um, especially since the biggest returns you're going to see are about in 10 to 20 years, you're going to start to get that um, return on solar panels. So we talked about some of the economic upsides and downsides to it. Um, And again, as silly as it may seem, some of the design downsides that people see with solar panels that they just don't look well. So instead, they'll use solar farms where they can option to have um, parts of their home powered by solar farms in the area um, that will play back into their electric bill. Um, that one's a bit more uh, in-depth than having them directly attached to your house or on your property, um, but it's not something that's difficult to do. Um, for example, where I attend Elon University, they use energy from nearby solar farms, Um, But office buildings, residential areas, you can choose or opt in to purchase part of a solar farm um, to have that power your location. So that's another option. So although you may not see a home with solar panels on it, they could be using solar energy to power their house um, and therefore having a beneficial impact upon the environment and their solar uh, bill at the end of the year. Um, And something that I think is pretty cool is that at a certain point, um, you can store up enough energy that you can actually sell it back. Uh, to solar farms. Uh, I read uh, a source that said something similar to that, where you can store up enough energy where that gets released back into the grid and you can actually um, receive deductions upon your bill because of that. Um, So that's just something I think is pretty cool um, that I forgot to mention last part. Um, But something else I think uh, gets forgotten, you look at some of these statistics about how many uh, homes in the United States are being powered by solar energy and, you know, it, it's it's growing each year, and there's goals in sight for different um, solar panel companies or uh, people that care about the environment, different milestones or benchmarks they have in mind uh, to reach uh, by 2024 and dates they're on um, ahead. Um, something I think gets uh, left out or, 
apartment complexes because I see all these numbers and it's saying homes, housings, um, family homes. So they're counting houses. They're not counting condos or apartments. And something like the complex in Manhattan called Stytown um, has more than 9,000 solar panels onto 56 rooftops, making it the biggest in Manhattan. Um, so it effectively doubled the borough's solar capacity, adding 3.9 megawatts or enough to power more than uh, 1,100 apartments. Um, so that's pretty huge, and especially in the biggest city in America, um, New York City. And the Bronx is planning to have a bigger one. Um, the Bronx, uh, another article that I've read and uh, used for this podcast, um, different boroughs of Manhattan have been using solar panels more and more um, for apartment complexes. Uh, there's one in the Bronx that is being quite popular now, actually, to have solar panels on complexes. Uh, and again, I have never lived in New York City, um, so I don't know if that's a landlord decision or if these are just different apartment complexes. Um in the city that people choose to live in. I'm not exactly sure. I'm not even sure if a private owned apartment, let's say I live in a complex. I don't know how I would go about choosing to use solar energy for my apartment outside of a farm. I don't know if I could even purchase a panel and put it on my deck or on the roof. Um, so I think this is mainly a complex type thing where it's everybody in the complex has to do it. It's not a, um, oh, I want to do this. This is my apartment. I'm going to do it. Cause I don't think that's, um, as I've been reading it, how it's working. Um, but the uh, people that live in Stytown, as it's called, uh, there's 27,000 residents. Um, now, it said they're not receiving a direct benefit from the installation because they do not pay separately for their power consumption. Um, their monthly rent will cover their monthly rent covers the electricity already and the water. Um, so uh, I think that's pretty cool. Um, although they're not receiving the direct benefits, it's already covered in their monthly rent. Um, so I think something like that. Um, I don't think I would mind, um, since my monthly rent would cover that. Um, and it's, you know, it's not costing me more, um, but it's not costing me any less. Uh, so as a resident, I don't think I would mind that. However, it's, uh, if I'm putting myself in these people's shoes, it's not something that they're seeing an impact on in their bill or that they're going to see an impact on rather. This is a primarily environmental impact. Um, so the complex received a LEED Platinum rating from the United States Green Building Council, um, and they're very proud of it. And they are actually instigating competition now throughout New York City and the different boroughs that want to compete and kind of have this revamp of the neighborhoods to be more up and new and um, environmentally caring to attract new young tenants that are coming into the city. God knows how many people move into New York City each year. I don't even know if you could count that. Um, accurately, but um, the amount that do more people my age that are younger are more environmentally aware of their impact. Um, so I think this is something that is a great idea to start doing now, because as more people that care about the environment are going to move into New York City or places like LA that are beginning to do things like this, where again, I mentioned every house has to have a um, has to be solar power panel that's newly built. Um, in New York City, I think this is something that's pretty cool where now you're going to start to see different apartment complexes in the different boroughs of New York um, have solar panel uh, apartment complexes. Um, again, there's already one in the Bronx, um, but not on this scale where it's giving it to 27,000 residents. Um, it's a different buildings hit or miss in the Bronx, but the Bronx is planning to have one on this large of scale um, sometime in the future. Um, and 
the people that run um, Stytown and that have been leading the way for um, this complex so that they do have plans in the future to do more complexes like this throughout the city and throughout different cities in America. Um, so what I think is interesting is uh, with this new development going on in places like New York City, New York now ranks sixth among American cities um, in the capacity of its um, installed solar panels. Um, so I think that's something that's pretty cool. Um, they said in the past, you know, it was noticeably that Manhattan and the Bronx have lagged behind um, the city um, in terms of the boroughs of um, being environmentally friendly. So it's nice to see these two taking an initiative to be the leaders when originally they were the ones behind uh, the other boroughs. Um, so yeah, I think that's pretty awesome um, for New York City to be doing. I think it's better than something like LA where you mandate the well, California, not just LA, but um, California as a whole, where it's mandated that it has to be done. Um, where in New York, they're trying these different things out um, in somewhere like the city. Um, but something like, like I just mentioned, New York City, um, there's a Ut uh, complex out in Utah where they have solar panels um, atop all of their apartment complex buildings. Um, however, it's not the power of the complex. Uh, when I first read it, I was a little confused because I thought it was, okay, obviously this is a self-sufficient um, apartment complex using the solar energy. They're using it to power some of it, but the majority of it is getting stored for power outages so that it can stay up um, and stay on power even if the grid goes off. Um, so they're storing that energy um, for emergency uses, the majority of it, but some of it is going towards um, powering people's homes in the complex and whole. So I thought that was a little, I thought that was good. I did think it was a little strange that they're not just using it to power the complex. Um, but I mean, you know, then again, what do I know? I don't design or build apartment complexes. So uh, maybe there were some issues in doing that. Uh, maybe it wouldn't be enough. Um, and maybe the panels that they have are just enough to power emergency um, services in case the power goes out there. And maybe what they have is not enough to power the complex entirely. Um but I, I think that is a good sign that apartment complexes across the nation are taking this initiative to do this. Um, but yeah, I do want to shift real quick to a state like Florida, um, which is a little problematic in its solar panel usage. Um, you imagine a, a state like Florida, I mean, it's famous, people go on their vacation, sun's always out, it's always nice and beautiful. Um, and an idea where you have solar energy for emergency services for powering isn't a bad idea in a state like Florida. Um, if they take something out of Utah's playbook in that complex, um, they do get a lot of hurricanes, a lot of tropical storms, a lot of power outages. I think that that is an idea that Florida could use um, for powering buildings is the uh, solar panels if they installed them. However, Florida, even though they want to install solar panels, a majority of residents that live in the cities um, across the state, they have been, I suppose, obstructed is a good word by um, major electricity companies that have ties to the government that have ties to um, lobbying money um, for state representatives um, that line their pockets that uh, support them in the races um, so in return for that they have been getting protection from the um, government of Florida where it is extremely difficult um, for solar panels as a, as a whole to be installed in the state of Florida. Um, it's extremely difficult. It's not supported by the government. If anything, the government is doing as much as they can to inhibit it. 
um, because of the major electricity companies and their ties to current uh, state leaders. And so far, the electricity companies have been winning. Um, they're still the major use source. You can get solar panels individually as a house. Um, again, it's extremely difficult. It's not easy to do. They want to make it as difficult as possible. Um, so in a state like Florida, you can really see where traditional electric companies are not going to go down without a fight. Um, and I'm surprised because I was looking up um, more into this that I haven't really seen as many other states like Florida as a whole, where it seems to be um, the electric companies, electricity companies and the government as a whole are just against the idea of solar power energy for residential use. Um, but it's pretty evident and it's kind of sad because the people there do want it. They want to use it. They think it's a great idea. Um, especially in a state like that where the sun's always out. So you're going to be getting your money's worth. Um, and it would be a good investment for cities like um, Miami. If you take a page out of New York City's playbook where you're having these new apartment complexes um, using this solar power energy um, and getting lead certification and being popular to live in. That'd be something that's good for Miami or Tampa or Jacksonville, you know, the major cities. Um, but it's just something that's not easy for them to do at the moment. So therefore, not a lot of people are doing it. Um, so, yeah. I, but again, you look at um, some different states. Some are leading the way. Some aren't leading the way. It really does depend on the state um, to see on who has the biggest impact because of the way that they make it easier or they don't make it easier or what state or federal um, deductions people can get for installing solar panels in their neighborhood. All right, so I think that about sums it up for that topic that I wanted to talk about. Um, we're residential, you know, you need to count more apartment complexes and condos um, in that count. And I think if you do, um, if you can do something like that, it will bump those numbers up. And I think you'll see more of a positive impact that solar panels are having on the country rather than just, just looking at family houses uh, across the state because apartment complexes are leading the way in some cities in New York where it's kind of difficult to have a house in Manhattan. Um, you have to have an apartment. Um, so yeah, that is it for my part three today. Um, All right, welcome back. And just to kind of cap off this episode on today's topic of uh, solar power energy, as we discussed, um, it's becoming more popular in residential areas. It is more popular. It's cost effective for future homes. Um, we're seeing some states take more strides like California and making it mandated that it has to be set in stone for residential areas going forward. And we've seen some states such as Florida where it's becoming more difficult um, at the moment to get um, any headway made in residential solar power. And we're seeing other cities like New York City um, turn some of its more traditional apartment complexes to using solar powers, uh, solar panels on their buildings so that they can make a difference in the environment. Um, so we're seeing more strides be taken, um, and in the year 2024 is when they expect that next big kind of batch of information um, to come out about solar panels and solar power usage in the United States, and um, that's when they expect to have that big increase um, in more percentage of users in residential areas switching over to solar power. Um, so until then, I, I mean, I look forward to it becoming more popular and more effective for the environment and people's energy bills, um, which it will be going forward. Uh, the facts that I've talked about have shown that. Um, so thank you for listening. A really fun topic, and I hope you had fun listening to it.